Why did he try You are the issue. You are the perfect thing. And found out that I was actually getting a two inch by two inch brand with a cauterizing iron. We no longer under the law of the Moses. The world between suffers violence and the violence shall take it by force. Coffee. And cults. Hi, John. Hi, Sam. Hi, listeners. And welcome to Coffee and Cults, where at the moment, Sam, it feels like we do nothing but talk about Jim Jones <laughs> and People's Temple. Uh, so usually every month we meet, drink coffee and talk about cults and fringe religious groups from around the world. But this is part three of a four part extravaganza uh, looking at People's Temple, Jim Jones and Jonestown. So welcome back. If you haven't listened to those previous episodes, please go back and listen to those first. Otherwise, this won't make very much sense. Well, it will make sense. It'll just be kind of boring for you, I think. Go back and yeah. listen to the to the other stuff. Treat good. yourself. Please be aware this podcast may uh, not be suitable for all listeners as it contains strong language and could have some descriptions of graphic content. This particular episode will uh, skirt around the topics of murder slash suicide so we will put some support links in the show notes um and if you feel affected by any of that just switch it off and go ring one of those so how have you been sam because we've listeners we've had a slight break from the recording of these uh four-part episodes because we've been working and doing other things yes we've had a break from jim how's that been how's it been getting back so lovely i haven't thought about him and then gearing up this last few days to come back to record it's he's back in my head again i think we've discussed it before that it feels a bit like you have to go to jonestown somehow that it feels yeah i don't know more than any of the others it feels like you enter a state of mind yes well it's a cult isn't it so i guess we're skirting around the edges of the cult to research yeah absolutely so yeah it's been strange the last couple of days to hear his voice again and think about all of those things but we're doing it all for you listeners all for you Um, we hope you enjoy it um, thank you all for your iTunes reviews. Um, if you haven't done one yet, please do. Just a few words would be absolutely lovely and mean the world to us, and it really helps us to reach other people. If you'd like to get in contact with us, you can also find us on Facebook, on Instagram, or you can email us at coffeeandcults at gmail.com. We'd love that. Please do that. It will help more people know about us. It will help us do more things. If you'd also like to, you can support us. You can buy us a one-off cup of coffee on coffee, K-O-F-I. Uh, dot com or you can join us on patreon where we'll be posting lots of exciting things just means we can do more of this kind of work to bring you up to date listeners we left jim jones and the people's temple with a new church a new location a new sense of threat from the outside world a new level of militancy as they grow ever closer to the world and scene in San Francisco and we're going to stay with them there for a little bit of time because I know Sam has been dying to talk about <laughs> a certain topic for every how many hours we recorded last time six like seven hours she's been waiting been to talk to us to about to buses my... no this is I don't know where this has come from John I just keep them buying the Greyhound buses which is what I'm going to tell you about now is a big point because it's how they travel the country and get other people involved. And John now thinks that I'm obsessed with buses. And I don't know how to get out of this hole, because my next sentence will be to continue to talk about buses. I'm just, my only memory of the last recording is, whenever we pause the recording, Sam going, the next thing I've got is the buses. We're going to talk about, what have you got about the buses? (laughs) So I don't want you to feel, Sam, that this sense of build-up and anticipation we've created now 
but you have to really wow us with your greyhound butt. But I'm going to. Yeah. So here we are in 1971. They've got oh, it's nice. Their, lovely, yeah. Everything's uh, brown and yellow. And orange. And orange. We're wearing bell bottoms. Yeah, cool. I don't know what to say to that. <laughs> you don't have to say anything. Okay, just, I was I just adding some historical colour. <laughs> Brown. <laughs> um, so, 1971, we're at their Redwood Valley commune, um, and da, 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 they buy some buses. <laughs> I'm not that excited about buses. Um, <laughs> if buy... that's it, if there's a full stop at the end of that <laughs> sentence, Sam. They buy, uh, I can't remember, because it's been a long time since I wrote these notes, either... 11 or 12 or 13 or some number around there number of ex greyhound buses bus number seven is jim's bus and so it's kitted out all lovely with a bed and a curtain and probably a toilet or some sort of flushing equipment for his flushing equipment (laughs) (laughs) what like a little i don't know the fancy (laughs) b-day i'm sure bus b-day Bus number seven, equipped with a bus bidet. Each bus had 40 seats, but carried 70 plus people. So everyone was crammed into these buses and they would drive around with two out, two drivers, which who alternated four hour shifts. So there are around 600 people traveling around on these buses around Los Angeles, Seattle, and then moving as far as uh, Houston, Texas, Detroit, Chicago. They go to black churches. They preach, you know, they protest Viet- the Vietnam War. They pop by back to Indianapolis and Lynn to see Jim's old stomping grounds. And people are going, oh, wow, this seems really cool. How can I join? That bus looks fun. And so pe- the people... <laughs> little like... little Sam's with their <laughs> Greyhound bus spotting booklets at the, the side bus. of the Can front. I come on the bus? <laughs> um, go, go away with your blue hound buses. I'm waiting for... <laughs> There's something in that somewhere. Maybe. It's almost a joke, wasn't it? So someone went up to one of the people on the buses and went, oh, this looks cool. How can I join? And the person on the bus went, come along and bring the deed to your house. And, <laughs> uh, I mean, red flag, right? I don't, oh, yeah. There is no... The person from Lynn just went, no, I'm, no, I won't do that. And did not proceed to join. I'm pretty sure uh, I remember reading on one of those journeys when they went back his childhood friend who'd abandoned him after being endlessly sort of harassed yeah. and bullied is one of the people walking down the street where a People's Temple member comes up and goes, hey, do you want to know about our church? Do you want to know about this amazing guy, Jim Jones? And he very clearly just went, no, no. and walked away. And that was like yeah. the next time he'd heard about Jim. Since... God, imagine that, like your childhood bully. Suddenly someone comes up to try and tell you about them. Mm-hmm. That they're amazing and brilliant. I was just going to say a name then, but I won't <laughs> Please don't. I uh, my lawyer sat to my yep. right, Claude, the lawyer, um, <laughs> says says please don't. Um, but that becomes a big part of how they gain so much influence, isn't it? Is that they have all of these buses, they're huge numbers of members. Yeah. And if you, like you say, if you've got an event, if you've got a protest, if you've got a church meeting, if mm-hmm. you've, I don't know, if you're opening a bakery, if you want crowds of people who are diverse and young and old and black and white, and if you want that kind of appearance of popular support, yeah. You've just got to ring the church and they'll bust people in in their hundreds. It's incredible, really. Yeah. Imagine if they used it for good. Yeah. Uh, so during this time, while they're traveling around, uh, Jim's got his special sexy bus that, you know, people are allowed to come in and out of. Literally, maybe not. Yeah, well, <laughs> allegedly. Depends how selfish she is, I suppose. Probably very. So Jim's working really, really hard. Not, pretend I didn't say the sex thing before that. <laughs> No, that's staying in. That's staying in. 
And so to keep going, he starts taking amphetamines. Now, bear in mind, the people in the temple are not allowed drugs. They're not allowed tobacco. They're not allowed alcohol. But Jim is allowed amphetamines and so gets himself a lovely pair of sunglasses to hide his bloodshot eyes. And he only sleeps a couple of hours a night, really. And the rest of the time, he's off his tit. Yeah, this is really the, the big start of his deterioration, isn't it? In terms of his diet and his drug taking and Yeah, and then this sleep and his paranoia that he already was, you know, pretty paranoid. And now it just you know skyrockets yeah so he's super worried about fbi infiltrators obviously with everyone being fairly dilute because they're traveling around he's worried that the fbi are gonna sneak on a bus they better not that's like i'll fight him <laughs> that's that like one of the lamest uh you know the uh the x-files episode where Mulder and scully just have to sneak onto a bus <laughs> it's not a daring FBI mission, is it? I mean, almost certainly at this point, there must have been some infiltration of the church. We know that there are huge files, most of which are sort of in part missing or gone yeah. or were destroyed about these guys. Mm -hmm. They must have had some FBI agents. Maybe this is too scandalous or allegedly. I just imagine someone, once it's starting to get to this scale, and as we'll talk about later, they're starting to get political connections, there yeah. must have been. But then if they're found to not be breaking any laws, they. No. no, I suppose so. If everyone's there under their own volition and And I guess that kind not... of no, just that big kind of revivalist church movement isn't sort of uncommon. that's what I'm thinking yeah. now. It's not probably doesn't sound as strange then as it does to us yeah. now. We know that part of the reason that Bus Seven is so well decked out is because that is one of many places where if you're a young lady in the church who has drawn Jim's eye not necessarily a young lady. No. If you're a young person or even any kind of person, really, as we'll yeah. see. I'm thinking there is particularly a few cases of young women who are invited. Yes. It becomes the thing amongst women in the church that you might get invited onto yeah. bus seven with Jim. And that is, yeah, that tends to be, from what I can remember, a series of young women, which opens us to the whole weird world of sex in the people's temple. It's bizarre. So Jim is having sex with whoever he wants to. He basically just goes, you, and then they go and... He, well, he a lot of people he, he raped because they were there with their husbands or their families, didn't necessarily want to have sex with him, so therefore... Yeah, and yeah. it seems to start out a little bit subtle, that it'll start that he'll like pick somebody out and go, I, you know, I just think you were doing great stuff, I mm -hmm. think you're really important to the church, why don't you come now and spend some time with me? Yeah. And then it becomes part of how he sort of like rewards them. It's part mm -hmm. of like, you know, we're also entering that creepy time now where he's making everyone call him dad or father. So it's like that's part of how he's gonna thank you for your for your work. And his sermons are starting to change now so that he quite happily talks about sex from the pulpit and about his yeah. own sexual experience and about other people's, even though at times in the past, church members have been discouraged from yeah. sex, and it's been sort of treated as like a diversion, really, from all the good work that they're going to be doing. Yeah. But he's been secretly knocking everyone off, and eventually just stops keeping it a secret. Yeah, so much so that he gets himself a fucking secretary. And that's not me being horrible about the secretary, I'm sure she was great, but literally to keep track of who he's going to have sex with and on which night of the week and what amount of time. And ugh, imagine being the last one on a Sunday. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh God. Um, and just you think, oh, like, yeah. Ooh, he like wasn't... a never-ending 
run people in and out, isn't it? From, yeah. From all the description of it. And he's, as you say, not just sticking to the ladies of the church. No. He started preaching in the pulpit that he thinks pretty much everyone in the world is a homosexual. Except for him. Apart from him. He's the only true heterosexual. Yeah. The only true sexual alpha male. And everybody else, deep down, is homosexual. And he has a funny way of dealing with that problem that he's describing. That's his perspective on it, not yes. mine. In that he gradually encourages and convinces men in the church yeah. that the best way to deal with that is to have sex with him. Yeah. There's a particular, uh, is it Tim Carter? The uh, he, eventual survivor of yeah. uh, Jonestown. Spoiler. Yeah, spoiler. I'm sure you had no idea. Um, there's a famous quote of him on, I've seen it on a couple of documentaries of him saying that he was just walking down a corridor one day and Jim walked past and just, he only joined fairly recently and Jim walked past and just turned to him and went, I'll fuck you in the ass if you want. Yeah. And he was just like, no. No, no I'm okay, you. thanks. But some people were seemingly happy for that. There's an extraordinary letter in one of the um, documentaries yep. that's pretty much someone going, oh, Jim, thank you so... You know, I've, I've always been heterosexual. I've only ever had sex with women, but thank you so much for having sex with me. Oh, thank you. Oh, it was yeah. really... Thank you. It was brilliant. Great. Oh, I'm so grateful for what I've written here in my notes, which is not very PC, is letter of thanks for being bummed. Oh, but there's this weird kind of status. Yeah. There's this weird kind of status within the church that starts yeah. to come from if you're one of his sexual partners. Mm -hmm. And there's another thing as well. Of, um, I think it's also Tim Carter discussing it with other members of the group and saying, oh, this weird thing that Jim Jones said to me. And then the other men will just kind of look around at each other and avoid eye contact. And it becomes very clear that he's done it to everybody. Yes. So we've got this secretary keeping track of um, who Jim's going to have sex with. That's Laurie Efrain, who you might remember last week, or not last week, last episode, me saying that she would make toasties. And now she also... I was previously a fan of her. I'm now suspicious of those toasties. Then. Oh, some sort of lubricant joke in there somewhere, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to avoid a cheese joke. <laughs> Thank you for doing that. So Jim's not actually having sex with everybody. There's quite a lot of people and... Even he's not that virile. <laughs> um, but there are people who he isn't having sex with who want to have sex with him. And Laurie Efrain is one of them. And there's a particular anecdote of her being in a meeting and she's taking notes. And then Jim asks her to get up in front of everybody. So she stands up and he makes her take off all her clothes. And everyone's looking at this poor naked lady. And he says, if there was a list of people I didn't want to fuck, you would be at the top of the list. And then she is made to stand for the rest of the meeting, nude and embarrassed. See, that's one of the biggest things that I, of many that I don't understand, is when you hear about what he's like in those church services. Yeah. You have that, those, that you know, there's this, all that footage of the early ones where he's saying things that seem kind of right on and are quite sort of open and mm -hmm. inspiring, and he's doing all the healing. But by this point, these sermons are. He's just being foul. Yeah. He's absolutely effing and jeffing and being sexually graphic and just mm -hmm. being obnoxious to people, to his own followers. It's really bizarre. And family and everybody, yeah. Even sort of, you know, compared to other leaders who still maintain that gloss of yeah. being the big spiritual leader, none of that. He's just this foul-mouthed, no. off-his-head, bad, bad man. But then I was listening to another podcast this week that was, um, that was saying, like, if you 
when you get to a certain point, because people have been with him for years now, yeah. and as soon as you acknowledge one thing is bad, then that makes the rest of the time a lie or a waste. Yeah. And that must be very, very difficult to deal with as a person who's you know, dedicated your life to this yeah. cause and to suddenly find out your last 15 years was a lie. And also he's been really good at going, this is the test. Yeah. This is, oh, you don't like the thing that I'm doing? That was a test. Yeah. So I can imagine that you might well sit there and go, oh, he's just doing this to, you know, weed out the disloyal people or to, you know, yeah. but it all becomes, you read into it this really sophisticated spiritual agenda when actually he's, he's just a douchebag. Yeah. yeah. That sort of takes us into the other elements of that because that idea of humiliation of people mm -hmm. who he thinks are getting above themselves or are causing trouble continues to grow so if you're failing at any of the duties in the church and following jim's instructions then quite often you might be uh, stood up at the front of the church not always naked but you might have abuse shouted at you from everybody else certainly yeah. you'll have jim uh, shout abuse to you but he comes to believe that that is not enough that really? they're so bad he needs to more formally punish them and so he begins a process an ever-evolving process that he calls catharsis which again has links to some of the other groups that we've talked about particularly like yeah. synonym if you think about the way that they have those circle yes. groups so let's say that you've done something bad sam i don't know what it might be they tend to be fairly minor things yeah. you well, might have not worked very to hard buy a new lamp. there we go yeah. that might be it um you would get called up to the front of the church you'd be ab berated and abused by jim he'd encourage the congregation to join in with that and then to begin with he would have you beaten with a belt yeah in front of everybody else and there are lots of stories about children particularly being naughty or having yeah. done things wrong that they're brought up and the parents are made to beat them with a belt Jesus and Christ. if they don't beat the kid hard enough with the belt to jim's liking the parent gets beaten with the belt Oh, I um, hate everything. As well. And that becomes the main run of punishment. But then he decides that the belt, it's just not doing the job properly. It's not, you know, causing enough pain. It's a bit too weak of a punishment. People still aren't learning to do what they should be doing. So he invents something called the Board of Education. And this is an ongoing trait with Jim in that he takes something really horrible and gives it a really weird, punny name. Yeah which is one of many things I really fucking hate him <laughs> So the Board of Education is a two-foot-long board. It's then one inch by four inches, so it's like that, basically. Yeah. I'm miming to Sam. I know it doesn't make good podcasting. Like a bat. Yeah, basically, yeah. like a cricket. If you're English, like a cricket bat, or if you're American, like a flat baseball bat. <laughs> or just look up cricket bat. <laughs> No, it must be a specific cultural reference. And that is what you'll get beaten with. So, for example, 16-year-old Linda Myrtle, and this is sort of ties into some of the weird sexual politics within the church, mm. she is suspected of having lesbian thoughts or lesbian tendencies because she's sort of... I was just laughing at the idea of suspected lesbian thoughts. Yeah. Like... I think effectively from what I remember, there's someone in the church who is a sort of known lesbian or has been a lesbian yeah. and I think the idea is that Linda like hugged her at some point or something or smiled at her and caught lesbian off her yeah and she so is. she gets beaten um, in front of an audience of 700 people <gasps> oh she God. gets hit with the board of education 75 times ah. which is just absolutely insane and it's not only the punishment but this weird kind of humiliation yeah 
aspect, it's going to get worse. Sorry. So what Jim then starts to encourage sometimes are boxing matches, again, in front of everybody else, where two people who've been bad are, you know, it's much more efficient that way. No one has to get their hands dirty. It's quite a clever move because people have found the belt and the Board of Education uncomfortable. But if you're making the two bad people fight each other, in a you know gloveless boxing match then they're just gonna go for it and they sort of get told that you know afterwards well done that's great i love you i'm doing it all for you and they are expected to thank him after these you know where they really sounds like these people beat the hell out of each other because they hope by beating the other person that they'll be making up for their own yeah wrongdoing so that's happening within the church services there's also something which I almost am going to hesitate to describe, which is another level of punishment for children, which is a thing called the blue-eyed monster. Oh, trigger warning for uh, child abuse. Yeah, so they would have a very... And again, it's interesting, this is one of those things where this becomes a small version of something that then happens later at Jonestown. Children are told if they're naughty that they will have to... The the blue-eyed monster will come for them or deal for them and they're taken to a dark room totally blacked out room the child is put in there with the blue-eyed monster who they can't see but there's clearly this thing with a dark voice in the room that's going to uh, talk to them and berate them and then lord knows from where you know those uh, electrocution paddles that are used in ambulances defibrillators they shock the child and that's what the blue-eyed monster does he sort of shocks you and so i imagine the blue eyes is to do with lights on that or the sparks from that or something and they yeah effectively electrocute these children in the darkness telling them it's a monster because that's their punishment which is just a level of insanity yeah sorry you know no no i I don't think you should but you think you know very occasionally when I've been in a church, if they've overcharged for a cup of tea, I thought, well, this is a religious organisation <laughs> I don't want any part of. Yeah. But there are adults running that for children. It's, yeah, beggars belief, doesn't it? Utter, utter madness. Yeah. Uh, to continue yeah. along about children, not about children being abused currently. During Jim's sexual exploits, he has been sleeping with wives of people in the group as well as single women. Um, single ladies. Oh, I'm single. Anyway, you knew what the joke was. <laughs> One of these women is the wife of Tim Stone, Grace, and Grace becomes pregnant, and Jim makes Tim, oh, this is fun rhyme, rhyming names, sign a piece of paper saying that he sired this child with Tim's permission, because effectively because Tim wasn't man enough and he wanted his child to have the best genes and they came from Jim. And so in 1972... John Victor Stone is born. At the birth of, not physically at the birth, around the time of the birth of John Victor Stone, Marceline, Jim's wife, is... I feel so sorry for her now. Oh my God, yeah. She She wanted to leave him when they first got married. If she'd been allowed to do that, how... Well, that's the thing, isn't it? You think back to like her and the charming young hospital orderly. Yeah. And then going, oh, actually, he's got a bit of a temper. And then he murders you and 900 of them. Spoilers! (laughs) Um, Marceline is, this is really sad, is quoted to have said that she wanted to be a turtle so she could crawl into her shell just to hide. She was so humiliated. He's had children by other people by this point as well, but he, she just, you know. Especially for so long having denied her any possible, you know, they've had one biological child Uh by this point. But all the others have been adopted and he's sort of... Yeah. Yeah. It's it's kind of interesting, isn't it? Because you then 
that's either you know a complete psychopathic unawareness of how that feels for her or a really nasty kind of almost spiteful kind of as well as grace stone you remember carolyn layton his mistress carolyn layton's husband larry remained in the group when her him caroline split up he remarried another lady and now jim is also having sex with larry's new wife poor dude larry not jim yeah yeah we're now in the summer of 1972 it's still brown i'm wearing bell bottoms we you can't tell listeners we've swapped bell bottoms i now (laughs) why are you wearing a a lovely brown shift nothing now that you've taken my bell bottoms off me that's very 70s too isn't it i don't know maybe they're in redwood valley they've got a ranch i very ironically called happy acres again all these horrible punny names that he gives everything. And we're going to go to Happy Acres, Sam. We're going to go to a nice, happy church gathering, which is taking place on a parking lot. It sounds like we're going to go and see the Happy Tree Friends. Do you remember them? No. Oh, I think that's what they were called. Let me know, listeners. But they were just some uh, cartoon animals. Oh, was it really violent? Yeah. Well, let's see. <laughs> so they're having this big party in a huge parking lot at the edge of the Happy Acres. There's food. I think there's a barbecue. There's music. Some people are playing live music. They're playing recorded music. Everybody's really happy. They're having a good time. Everybody's there. They're just outside like one of the big buildings at the ranch when suddenly somebody from across the parking lot takes a shot at Jones, hits him in the chest. He falls. The gunshot rings out. Everybody screams and freaks out. Jones is whisked off by his staff into the house. Yep. And everyone is stood outside going, fuck, fuck. Someone's shot Jones. Fuck. I imagine the sort of the barbecue. Imagine who's <laughs> left on the barbecue yeah. starting to burn and brown. Soul. Big tense moment. Then, after something like half an hour, Jones comes back out of the house. And he looks okay. He's walking. He's all right. He doesn't look like someone who's just taken a shot in the chest. Yeah. But he has a bloody shirt with him. And wow. the bloody shirt has a hole in it. Oh, my God. And he tells them that he has been able to heal himself. There's been this huge moment of panic. It's been really dramatic. And he just turns up and goes, actually, I'm all right. And he says to his nurses, tell them that I did have a bullet hole. And the nurses go, yeah, we did. Yeah, we stuck off it. I'm paraphrasing. We stuck yeah. our fingers in the wound, mm-hmm. but it's gone now. Yep. Wow. I wonder how he did that. Mm, which bet. is an amazing yeah. level of magic trick. And they build a wooden glass case to display the shirt, but it's only displayed, Sam, for a day, for one meeting that they have. Right. Because just after that, the sheriff's office hear about this shooting. Yeah. And they make an inquiry. To go, um, do you want us to, uh, do you want us to look into this at all? And he goes, uh, no, actually, it's fine. And the shirt disappears and the case is taken away yep. and it's sort of never spoken of again. Oh, that's funny, isn't it? Because you would have thought if someone shot you, you would prefer to know who that was and for that person to be punished. Hmm, how suspicious. Absolutely. So, uh, an entirely put up job. Oh, yeah. Completely faked. Yeah assassination attempt but it's just again starting to push them on and on towards we are in trouble yeah people outside want us dead and they start much more 
militaristic training. Yes. They've been hosting a dorm for college students, and that's been a real sort of shit show. People have been in terrible conditions. There have been complaints. But yeah. now part of the agreement for them being in the dorm is like, you're going to do this military training. Jones suddenly gets a huge security entourage. Yep. Their main threats were nuclear war, the US government, the CIA, the FBI, motorcycles, and Crest Toothpaste. <laughs> crest Toothpaste? Crest Toothpaste. Yeah, just that was a really terrible thing. You should not use Crest Toothpaste. Other toothpastes are available. How bizarre. Yep, yeah, yep. Yeah, Get out of here, Crest. You. That's what we should have done for this episode. We should have brushed our teeth with Crest and yeah. seen if we were all right. So, weirdly, at the same time that he's militarising his students and getting the security entourage, he's always sort of back and forthing about whether they should have guns or not. Yeah. And he sort of goes, well, I don't think you guys should have guns because they're just too phallic. (laughs) (laughs) Oh. So... Surely, like, 50% of people have penises. Well... Which are the most phallic objects. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, he's been doing his best to gather those up, Sam. Oh! I'm going to... I'm really... I just meant in this sort of sexual conquest way. Either way, (laughs) it was an unpleasant joke. Though he has security personnel who are armed, he's gathering up guns from the members who, because they're American, have quite a few. And those guns are sold to help Mm. fund their plans for new locations to live or are stockpiled secretly elsewhere. Mm. While all of this is going on, Crest Two-Faced is a danger. Nuclear war is happening imminently. Um, the People's Temple is being run by a council of quote-unquote elder members, people who've been with Jim a long time. They have meetings with between 50 and 100 people attending, and they make decisions based on, you know, around what the rules should be, where they should go next, where the buses should go. <laughs> you bloody should love those bus. buses. <laughs> you, you would totally be on the planning commission as the bus representative. I would be Queen Bus, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. And the the uh, planning commission, did I say it was called the planning commission? Yeah. It was called the planning commission. I mean, you've said planning yeah. commission about six times now. So. Have I? Mm. Planning commission. Planning commission. <laughs> they have these separate meetings away from the main congregation of the church, and this is where most of the sexy talk happens. But also they decide punishments for things, you know, what who gets the board of education, etc. And they're also overseeing a real sort of growth in the church in San Francisco. Yes. Not only are they packing their churches out with hundreds and hundreds of people, but they're also really starting to get into bed with the local, Mm -hmm. uh, metaphorically in this uh, case, with local sort of dignitaries and people. They're really... starting to make their mark now. I should also make the point now, because it is important later, that the planning commission is mostly white. Only Archie I. James is a member as a black person. That will be important later on. Oh, very good. That was almost like a... Did Proper documentary. documentary because they're getting bigger now, and because they're getting much more visible to the people in San Francisco who are going, who are these guys? People start to get a little bit more sceptical. So, and interested. And interested. So particularly the thing about cures becomes a real run in the paper. So like the Indianapolis Star has a headline, Church filled to see cures by self-proclaimed prophet of God. Whoa. And people are becoming really sceptical about this healing, as you might Imagine, and they don't even know about Jones and the Holy Shirt. (laughs) Jones and the Holy Shirt. It's like that really shit Harry Potter book. And there are even... That tickled me so much. And there are even stories of journalists then starting to go to church services and literally watching the same person get healed of the same thing two or three 
or four times, all of which draws the attention of the San Francisco Examiner. And a particular journalist named Lester Kinzolvig. Who has a freaking amazing name. Lester Kinzolvig. It's so good. Yeah. Um, I can call you Lester Kinzolvig if you like, John. <laughs> I would like that. Okay. Yes, thank you. And he starts to investigate and he prints a long run of sort of sceptical stories. Yes. That don't just imply that the healing is fake, but also that there's some financial weirdness going on. Yeah. He never sort of explicitly states anything, but he just sort of nudges that there's other law breaking yeah. um, happening. So he's written this series of articles. Yeah. Well, several stories. Yeah. He's written. Yeah. So he's written several stories that are being released day by day, you know, planning to do a kind of 13-day extravaganza with an article about the... You can't see the wonderful uh, gesture that Sam did to accompany the phrase extravaganza. But imagine it. Do it your own great. extravaganza gesture. It was very extravagant. Thanks. Don't do it if you're driving. <laughs> <laughs> the first article is released. People read it. Oh, my God. Obviously, the People's Temple. No, How do they feel about that, Sam? Are they happy? Do they take it on the chin like modern groups do well, when they're criticised? No, they. No. the following day they go and protest at the San Francisco Examiner's office. They all turn up outside in their buses. <laughs> but you, I just wish you could see the glint in her eye whenever she mentions bus. And this begins a real pattern of journalist harassment from the yes. temple, that if you print a story about them... They'll show up at your business and pick at you. Mm -hmm. They'll show up at your house and pick at you. And that becomes, again, a soft version of things that develop yeah. later on. The criticism in the articles does not go unnoticed by People's Temple members. It does actually make some people leave. They read these articles and go, oh, no, I don't like that. I, don't, I didn't know that that was happening in my church. I'm going to go. And I think for lots of these people, they know about one or two things that they've yeah. heard or experienced themselves. They've heard rumours of other things. But what these articles really start to do is show pile everything. things up together. Yeah, absolutely. People who've come from Indianapolis to join the church leave and they give interviews to Lester Consolving saying that they come to be safe from nuclear war. It hadn't happened, so they didn't need to be here. They also explained how he did his mind reading uh, explicitly. And and this causes the series of articles to be halted. They can't publish them all um, because Consolving and other journalists start to receive death threats from the People's Temple. So this dissatisfaction amongst People's Temple members is growing. People are really starting to feel weird about what's going on mm -hmm. and know more and more. So in particular, a group starts to form of people going, we need to leave. Yeah. Um, it's a married couple to begin with, I believe, John and Vera Biddulph. And they slowly start to sound other people out to say, hey, are you happy? Do you want to leave? Because yeah. Jones, at this point, is furious with people that have already left. Oh, yeah. They know the kind of harassment that's been going on against journalists. They know that if they decide to leave, it's pretty serious. But gradually, they find eight of them who are willing to go. Jim Cobb, Wayne Pialila. I mean, this is just going to be a list of me mispronouncing people's names. <laughs> These are incredibly brave, Absolutely. heroic people, so I apologise for that. Correct me if I'm wrong, but a lot of them were students, weren't they, living in a dormitory? Yes, some of them yeah. had come through the dorm. Uh, system. John and Vera Bidolf, Terry Cobb, Tom Podgorski, Leela Flowers, Mickey Touchette, and they decide to leave. They secretly pack. 
Yeah. And, you know, everything is sort of communal and around. So that's really difficult to, you know, they very slowly start to gather their possessions in a way that's inconspicuous over days um, and weeks. Yeah. Including a few guns that they've managed to keep and not have confiscated and gathered up. And they decide that they're going to leave. So one night they pack up a couple of cars. They want to go to Canada. Yeah. Why not? Well, it's nice, I guess. But actually, they end up in Montana because it becomes more difficult to get Is all the way over to the Canada. To... Yeah, it's on the border. <laughs> I had no idea. <laughs> I said that so confidently. Let's buy an, uh, uh, an American. Uh... Did you just say let's buy an American? No, uh, you didn't let me finish. <laughs> let's buy an American map, is what I was going to say. Didn't finish. <laughs> I, didn't I was pausing to read the next line of my notes. So they're, they're in Montana, wherever the fuck that is. Um, and they've actually managed to uh, get out. Yes. They have a few problems, though. They want to write a, like a manifesto denouncing the church. Yeah. But even what's interesting in the psychology is that even this group of eight people, they can't really agree what was wrong no. and which bits were true or were not true. So it takes them quite a long time um, to write a critical sort of manifesto. Yeah. Meanwhile, Jones, furious, hurt, injured, ranting, mm-hmm. and he calls um he calls an emergency meeting yeah. with everyone in the church and says, These guys were awful. And he gets other members to sort of testify against them and accuse them of idolizing Che Guevara, displaying anti white racism, uh, oh. being too cruel in the catharsis punishment sessions mm-hmm. he's like able to dump all the wrongdoing on, on the people, people who have fled uh engaging in sexual misconduct yeah i mean basically it's a massive act in projection see what it said about this in the road to jonestown was that he couldn't be for some for some of them he definitely did all that but for some of them their parents were still members of the group oh, so wow. he couldn't rail at them because that might make the parents leave too this group of eight people who have decided to leave are known as the Gang of Eight or the Eight Revolutionaries. That is a freaking cool name for anything, yeah. isn't it? Shall we be the two revolutionaries? <laughs> that's a bit more sad, isn't it? Yeah, that's a bit depressing, isn't it? That's like the world's um, smallest barricade. They finally send back their letter to the People's Temple to say, this is what's happened, this is why we've left. Yeah. We have left because there is, we preach racial equality, but in the leadership of the group, there is this intense inequality. If you're going to say we should be equal, you should have an equal number of black people and white people in the planning commission. It shouldn't be all white people. Correct. They also go on to say how, you know, Jim, you're great. We we still love you, Jim. But it's just some of the things that we just can't agree with. The socialism isn't quite socialist enough for us. The religion isn't quite religious enough for us. Or too religious, whichever they believe. Um but they do emphasise that it's they still love Jim. So despite leaving him, he's still got holds on people. Yeah. Yeah, as I said, that's what's fascinating. They'll go, we definitely have to leave. Let's do it in secret. Okay, now let's tell people why we left. Well, I left for this reason. Oh, no, but actually that bit was all right. And yeah. Actually, you know, that's kind of yeah interesting. So they're out and about and around, um, and Jones is slagging them off left, right, and centre. He's yeah. had all these emergency meetings where he tells them that they're all the wrongdoers. Mm-hmm. Blah, blah, blah. And as they harass journalists, the People's Temple members want to harass these members that have left. Yeah. So they're able to start to track them down um, after a little bit of time. They um they send them harassing letters, yeah. threatening them, death threats, 
you know, threatening to reveal secrets about them, all of that kind of mm -hmm. uh, things. They print obituaries in the newspapers with their names and details, oh, knowing that they'll read them. And this is the, the creepiest of this. Um, they book hearses and they hire them to sit outside their new houses, Ooh. which is pretty grim. So, as you can imagine, they're not terribly happy with that. Yep. They're not happy with the lies that are being spread about them. And they have this weird sort of second encounter where they go, OK, we're going to go back and we'll explain and we'll try and deal um, with this. So secretly, um, a few of them travel to see Jones. Ooh. And they, they're quite clever about it. They sort of get Jones to the house under other pretenses. Um, and then basically they show up. Both of them tellingly take pistols with them and have them hidden in their um, in the back of their you. waist uh, bound. So Jones shows up with Carolyn Layton, um, and as he steps into the house, he's face to face with these two people that he, they've left that he's been sending death threats to Great. and li been lying about. Yeah. And they're both like, "Hi, are you okay?" <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> I'm editorialising. That's not that's not written anywhere. As I'm looking at the the chapter in the book, it's, it doesn't say that. But he then sort of goes to hug them. He's sort of smiley uh, and nice. He tells them how happy he is to see them. But as he hugs them, this is my favourite. It's like something in a movie. Yeah. He hugs one of them and can feel that he's got a gun. Ugh. And then unhugs him, and they both go, "Hi, Jim." Yeah. You're right. I like the idea of unhugging someone. Good to see you, yeah, <laughs> yeah. unhug someone. So they basically tell Jones that what their uh, problems are. They read their letter to him going, this is everything that we think is wrong. This is yeah. really what we want um, to have changed. And Jones basically goes, well, it's not me. It's, it's everyone else, you know. You know what it's like with a big organisation. I do my best, um, but everyone else is getting wrong. Here's another good quote. Uh, this is Bidolf to jones and here's another thing we hear you're calling us the coca-cola revolutionaries and god damn it we want you to know we're the pepsi cola revolutionaries <laughs> like they're just so frustrated and angry yeah. and find him so silly um yeah. jones apparently is just uh uh pretty terrified and they sort of go look we're just going to go about our lives now yeah leave us alone we've said our piece um this is what we're uh gonna do and Jones is sort of left going, oh, well, you know, I'll I'll, I'll leave you alone so long as you stop slagging yeah. off the people's temple any more than you've already done. And at that point, they part ways. I just love yeah. that scene of them in the house. like Hugging It's one of those amazing moments where it's like someone, had, you know, that kind of confrontation to someone like that who's yeah. an absolute dick. There's one of my favourite historical people is Emma Goldman, who is amazing for lots of reasons. She was Russian and then lived in America for a long time, sort of believed in anarchism and socialism and revolutionary stuff, went to Russia after the revolution and went, oh, Lenin's being a real dick. Yeah. And the story is that she literally, all these other, you know, the, sort of the scale of that thing, she just marches into, because they're like the fated visitors who've come from America, and she just walks into his office and tells him off for the wow. way he's treating people. And you just think that's just you know oh. to be the woman who told Lenin off. Can you imagine just being a great. up to Theresa May now? <laughs> oh. We're recording this on the eleventh of December after she's just postponed a fucking Brexit vote. Anyway, <laughs> so um yeah. So meanwhile, anyway, yeah. back in the People's Temple, while all of this gang of eight stuff is happening, 
he cracks down on his punishments there. So he gets people to sign a blank piece of paper, which doesn't sound too bad, except <laughs> that it means that they can fill in a confession at any other time. So they can make you a paedophile, they can make you a murderer, they can make you admit to anything because you signed this piece of paper with trust. I did air quotes then, but you couldn't see that. <laughs> um, they're also made to hold guns. So just to hold a gun, put your finger on the trigger, and then your fingerprints are on the gun, and then the gun can be used for whatever they like, and your fingerprints will be the ones on there. Which um, means, which just makes it impossible to leave, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. No, it's good. Which continues, because now Jones is really paranoid about people betraying him. Yeah. He's really worried about people's loyalty to him. So the planning commission have a meeting he's talking to them about loyalty mm-hmm. and how people upset he's been and how he really wants people to be you know true to him uh, and they have some wine and he's like hey guys let's drink some wine and talk about how everyone's betraying me oh, yeah that. do you like the symbolism of that that's really nice and literally as they're drinking it they put the glasses down having had a nice chug of wine and he goes yeah that was that was poison i've just poisoned all of you now and you know if you leave, you're you're a traitor. If you try and get away from me now, you're at, there are guards everywhere to hold them in. Inevitably, they freak out, thinking they've just been poisoned, and they look around each other and wait for the first person to drop. And as they wait, no one seems to be getting ill. 45 minutes go by, and Jones goes, Ha! Fooled you! Got you! God, it oh, wasn't poison. The guards were just watching your faces to see whether you were prepared to die for the cause and yeah. not kick off about it. So um, that was fun. Which again is just so. It's just that con- oh. It's that thing of the forty-five minutes as well. Yeah. That's such a long when you're time, waiting for something. Having yeah. just been told that you've been poisoned. I mean, you do you do small talk? Do you watch? You, that's what a couple of episodes of Friends on Netflix. Episodes, yeah. <laughs> yeah. How do you fill that time? Yeah. Well, yeah. But you would thought you would have thought you'd you know you'd be trying to make yourself vomit. Wouldn't you? I would. Yeah. If someone had just told me they'd poison me, I'd be trying to get it. Back but there. you've got all these guards who are watching you. Yeah. Because Jones is basically going, you just have to lie down and take this now. Blech. Which is pretty Sorry gross. If you'd like an ASMR uh, track of just Sam vomiting, then uh, <laughs> oh, please do donate to our Patreon. <laughs> That's like you could just pay that as a one-off payment and then quit our Patreon just to make Sam do that, listeners. If you if you wanted to, but um, this kind of example of Jones doing this to his followers starts a real trend of him talking about death, yeah, and talking about dying for socialism. He talks about yeah, I would die for socialism so long as I could take a thousand of you with me, um, in that cause. And then I'm really sorry, I'm gonna read this horrendous quote. <clears throat> I'm, I can't wait for us to, to finish these episodes. Um, the much as I enjoy your company, yeah. just because I want him out of my head. Oh my <clears> God. <throat> Don't do it in his voice, please. The last orgasm. Should I try and do a, a nice, as nice a voice as I can to try and offset it? No, you're telling me a bedtime story. <laughs> the last orgasm I'd like to have is death. <clears throat> if I could take you all with me, the day is coming when I'm going to issue an order that will shock you. And what's weird is, while things are getting so much darker and so much out of control within the church, outside they are top of the frickin' moon. That is not an expression, Sam. (laughs) Top of the frickin' moon. (laughs) 
if we ever do merch, which is so unlikely. Yeah. Um, top of the freaking moon. <laughs> top of the freaking moon shit. Um, John's birthday is on the 23rd of December, if anyone would like to send us a present. <laughs> <laughs> they're outside. They're, they're top of the freaking moon. Top of the freaking moon. <laughs> They're top of the frickin' moon. They've got the support of lots of local politicians and with their buses and buses and buses of people. They're able to support local politicians. So they are responsible for getting George Moscone Mm -hmm. elected mayor of San Francisco. There's a fantastic picture. I don't have the book with me, but in Road to Joe's house, there's a brilliant picture of them shaking hands. Because they pound pavements. Yeah. They go door to door. Mm-hmm. Whenever he has a rally, it looks like he has huge popular support because there are hundreds of People's Temple members there. And that gets even more status for Jones. Yeah. Because George Moscone appoints him chair of the Housing Authority Commission. God, Jim Jones loves a commission, doesn't he? He bloody does. <laughs> and what's great is that you imagine this is like this, you know, it has reasonable sort of authority in the city of running housing. Yeah. But effectively, it's been a series of very boring planning permission and like housing regulation meetings, yeah. famously dull, famously poorly attended. But suddenly they become the most exciting thing. Jones, who's the new director, shows up in his sunglasses, with a huge entourage. Off his tits on speed. There are standing ovations, you know, as he goes, um, I'd just like to read point one, that we'll remove the asbestos in building C. Mm-hmm. Huge standing ovations and roaring applause. Um, and so it's a real piece of theatre. Yeah. You really get the sense that Jones is freaking loving it. Yeah. But tragedy styley, it's another thing where it just makes everyone go, who? Is this guy? Yeah. What's he really about? Hmm. So all of this means there's much more scrutiny now on Jones and journalists are really starting to to dig around and look at uh, People's Temple. And amongst the things that start to come up are reports from previous sort of church defectors. So Al and Mr and Mrs Mills (laughs) open the Human Freedom Centre for mm-hmm. church defectors who start to sort of compile stories from people who have escaped. Yeah. And lots of weird things start to crop up. So it's discovered that church member John Head committed suicide in LA. Mm. Now, he falls to his death and afterwards People's Temple take all of his money and they get all of he'd had a settlement from some dispute somewhere. Right. And he'd given all of his money and all of his settlement stuff to People's Temple. Oh, that was nice. I bet he did that completely of his own volition. Yeah. And then, having been a bit sort of distant from the group or unhappy with the group, goes to L.A., falls to his death. Seems a little bit strange, but maybe. Who knows? Then there's Asri Hood, who had been followed by church members and had her phone tapped by church members when she'd been critical of the group. And she just disappears in Texas. Oh, wow. Gone. Maxine Hart is found hanged. She uh, had um, she'd known that People's Temple had really started to encourage their members to join and work in other places. Mm. So, um, like connecting back to John Head, lots of people that worked in the hospitals in LA were People's Temple yeah. members. She also knew, like allegedly some groups from more recent times, 
that People's Temple had infiltrated local government and separated children from their parents and then made sure those children were adopted by People's Temple. She'd confronted Jones about that and he'd said to her, why don't you just kill yourself? She's then found hanged. Right. And her three children are fostered to the People's Temple and they get all of their money and welfare. Right. Chris Levis shot Rory Hith dead. There's a room full of temple members. They have a quarrel. Supposedly in self-defence, he shoots him. Right. All the people's temple members go, oh, we don't really know what happened. He just sort of, yeah, it was self-defence, sure. But the rumour is that Jones ordered that shooting. Chris Lewis, uh, Levis Lewis himself is later also shot dead. Yeah. Truth Hart, who has the most amazing name, um, dies of heart failure after turning against Jones. Jones predicted that she would die of something like that. Oh, how convenient. And we'll remember from earlier in our episodes that there were a few people who were critical of the church who would sometimes seemingly drop dead and be revived by Jones, who were almost certainly drugged to pass out and Mm -hmm. come back to life. So again, allegedly Jones might have ordered her to be drugged to induce that condition. Bob Huston is found dead at a train depot. He'd been giving $2,000 a month to the People's Temple. Wow. He'd uh, got upset with that. Uh, Jones had said that he was too smart for his own good. He was crushed by a train car. I think he worked at the depot. Yeah. But he knew all the safety. He'd been working there all the time. Of course. Was it an accident? So they're suddenly out of the woodwork. Nothing concrete. Yeah. But seven really suspicious deaths, all of which are fantastically tied into People's Temple. God, yeah. Which is pretty creepy. Yeah. And it, it bolsters this Jim being untouchable thing. He can allegedly arrange these deaths with no comeback to himself and then cover those up with no comeback to himself. He starts behaving a bit more erratically. So there's a particular anecdote, which is fairly distressing and also a little bit funny. Where <laughs> that should Jim be the tagline for this podcast. Fairly distressing and a little bit funny. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to write that down. Yeah, please do. So he... Bear in mind the members of the People's Temple aren't allowed to go out to the cinema without leisure activities and that sort of thing. Jim goes to the cinema because Dirty Harry just came out. He really wants to go and watch it. <laughs> and um, meets this policeman in the cinema. They have a nice little chat. And he doesn't know he's a policeman at that point. No. Have a little chat and a little flirt with this man. Ooh. Oh, lovely. In a cinema that's notorious for like being a gay cruising hookup place. Ooh. Having a nice little chat and then... This the man that Jim's speaking to goes to the bathroom after the cinema, as one is wont to do, and Jim follows him and then just starts masturbating in front of him, exposes himself, sexually assaults this man, and then discovers that this man is a police and not a fellow cruiser in this cinema. Just a friendly man. Not that I'm sure Jim had any idea that that is what was going on, being as he was the only heterosexual in the world. Oh yeah, yeah, of course. That was it. Was straight sexually assaulting a man. Yeah. Yeah. So this makes him afraid that after, you know, assaulting this police officer, that the LAPD will have a specific vendetta about it. It increases his personal paranoia. Sorry for that piece. But pretty much the city of San Francisco kind of quash it. 
It yeah. gets kind of ignored and turned over and mm-hmm. they're just sort of asked to look the other way because now they've given all of this money, they've given all this status to this guy. Yeah. It's not a huge misdemeanour in the grand scheme of things. So they just, no, we'll just keep that quiet. We'll just... But you can see from all of this stuff that Jones really is like taking risks left, right and centre. Absolutely. He really has this sense that he's completely untouchable. Except in a cinema toilet. Oh! No, he was still untouchable then, obviously. Yeah, but he didn't think he was untouchable then because he no. wanted to be touched. It's yeah. not great if you have to explain the joke. <laughs> yeah, it was a good joke. Well done, Joe. It wasn't oh. even it was that. Okay. It was all right. It was an untouchable. It's probably, you know, listeners, by the time we get to the next episode, this is probably be one of the last jokes in this run of four episodes. Yeah. So now we are in 1973, and this whole time, we haven't mentioned it, this episode actually this whole time jim's still been on the lookout for the promised land for the place that he can take the whole people's temple set up basically a, a land of their own on the 8th of october 1973 jim announces they found it they've found the place they're going to go they're going to go to guiana so he sends some scouts ahead to the capital of guiana which is georgetown and they find port Kaituma, which is nearby looking for a bit of land so they lease about 3,000 acres of jungle, or 25 cents per acre per year. Bargain. It, it, seven, what is it, $750 a year. And what's amazing is that this place that until now has been called Matthews Ridge, yeah. the government in Guyana have been wanting to get it high, sold and settled mm-hmm. for years. Yeah. There's been a guy called Emerson Mitchell who's been really trying to organise that, really trying to actively recruit settlers. Mm-hmm. Um, but the previous group, the only group who came close before Jonestown, right. were a group of jazz musicians from New York who were just trying to use it to grow marijuana. And at that point, <laughs> the government ended that deal Not and kicked them out. Yeah. <laughs> but I love the idea in this rainforest jungle. Yeah. There's just some jazz musicians from New York growing and smoking some weed. <laughs> <laughs> just the image of that is uh, is really, really nice. But yeah, yeah, the government are sort of really happy now that they've Absolutely. got credible Americans coming to buy yeah. this bit of land and settle there. And it's a church. Oh, so they're going to be good. So he sends kind of a dozen at a time members over. And these first couple of dozen members are called the Pioneers. They're the ones sent there to clear the land. So they've, they've bought, they're, they're, they're leasing jungle. Yeah, it's... On it's a five-year lease. Incredible, and it's... Keep in mind, swampy. we're in 1973, and they've taken out a five-year lease. Do a little bit of maths, and it makes it even more fucking creepy that they've got a five-year lease. Yeah. So these Pioneers, you know, they're super excited. They go out there, they start trying to set things up. They're trying to cut down trees, but the trees are so thick they're breaking their chainsaws. They can't really get any purchase on the land. They end up speaking to the the native inhabitants of the area, and then the the natives of that area say, "Well, this is how we get up trees," and so they have to remove trees one by one mm. individually, pulling them out of the ground. They're also in at risk from big scary ants and snakes and jungle cats, which just sounds quite fun. <laughs> oh, like a, the snake! Oh, a jungle cat. Make it your friend. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> don't look at me Bus- like <laughs> Buses and looking at jungle yeah. cats. That's what Sam likes. But it sounds. Yeah, I think we can't. And certainly, again, I didn't appreciate that. Literally, they cleared jungle. Yes. To make that yeah. encampment, you mm-hmm. know, they talk about you know working from sun up to 
sundown yeah. but they're all very happy campers these pioneers yeah they all seem to be pretty in it they're working hard the members back in the u.s are being squeezed for more and more money because it's taking a lot longer than they expected to clear this jungle jones is occasionally visiting they're really starting to promote this now as the people's temple agricultural project and i've got this fun promo leaflet look sam Ooh. from the early days jonestown a model of cooperation. Wow. And you can see there, look, that they're clearing. Wow. Yeah, so they cleared a lot away. Yeah, this huge kind of area. And it's all sold in this amazing, you know, we've struggled mm-hmm. for equal rights here. Now we're going to create this new utopian project. Yeah. And as you say, they're pilfering all of this money mm-hmm. and people are working really hard. But to begin with, although it's hard work, yeah, they're sort of quite happy the pioneers Mm -hmm. they get reasonably well fed yeah they get eggs bacon vegetables fried chicken peanut butter fudge sam oh yum that's what they get in their their breaks and they're filming promotional videos to promote it to people back at home and jones sometimes visits he'll do a service Mm -hmm. he'll wander around now we've talked about how horrendous it was back in the People's Temple in America. Yeah. So actually, lots of the pioneers like seem really happy to be there. Yeah. Because Jones, Jones isn't there. They're There's out. no they're punishment. Just, yeah. They could dance and sing and eat peanut butter fudge. Mm. I mean, I'm I'm sold. <laughs> <laughs> Singing, dancing, Sounds peanut so butter delicious. Fudge. But whenever he visits, they talk about it being like a black cloud yeah. arrives and everyone gets very tense mm-hmm. and very nervous. Yeah. But slowly they realise that there are there are some problems. There are a few more people than maybe the land as it currently is might support. Yeah. They find also <clears throat> that the soil is not particularly good for growing things. They've tried to grow crops and all that sort of stuff and haven't been successful. And Jim turns up and says we need to send pictures back to everybody and they go, well, there's no fruit. We haven't grown anything. And so Jim sends some people off to Georgetown to buy loads of fruit and brings it back to... Did I say Georgetown or Jonestown? You said Georgetown. I and they said bring Georgetown. it back to Jonestown. And they went back to Jonestown and... Wouldn't that be annoying if all towns were just something town? Yeah. Um. So they bring all this fruit back and then they pose for a lovely photo with all this fruit that they say has been grown in the Jonestown agricultural project, but, but has absolutely not. has not. And they're no. trying to raise animals. They've got cows, pigs... And chickens, but all of them are sort of dying of this mysterious illness. Yep. They can't keep them going and running. But again, there's lovely footage of Jones going, you know what? It's a miracle. Yeah. All the chickens we've brought here, they just don't die. They're just so healthy. Yeah. It's this huge veneer to send back to America. Is Absolutely. Just extraordinary. So back in America, Tim Stone has been looking at everything and kind of goes, well, I don't really like this. But he's quite entrenched in everything. He wants to go. His wife wants to go. But they just can't. They can't get their foot out of the door yet. They've got all these plans, but they can't. Uh, Jim sends Carolyn Layton away to Mexico for a trip. That's nice. A little bit of time passes. And then suddenly Carolyn returns with a baby who they name Jim John. I wonder who its father is. (laughs) I don't. Jim John is nicknamed Kimo. K-I-M-O. That is a terrible nickname. <laughs> it is now in with modern medicine. But then, it, well, it just seems like a fun name. So now Jim's got Marceline, 
with babies. Carolyn has now got a baby. Grace has John Victor, and he has a new mistress. Of course he does. His name's Maria. I'm sorry, it's a Greek name. Maria Kustakis? Question mark. John's nodding. So. We'll refer to her as Maria from now on because yes. um, she will crop up later in our story. Yes, she will. And she's the daughter of a Greek Orthodox minister. So Jim sees Marceline, Marceline and Carolyn as the baby mamas, and Maria is his kind of personal confidant. She becomes a really close mate of his. Agnes? Do we remember Agnes? Poor Agnes Jones, their first adopted child. Oh, God, yeah. Oh, you'd forgotten. Oh, um, Agnes has now got married and had a baby. Um, and with pretty much without any say from Agnes, the child is adopted by Marceline and yeah. raised communally with the other people's family members. And Agnes is just shunned again. She's still there. but God, heartbreaking, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. So they plan to limit the citizenship of Jonestown to five or six hundred people but people's temple membership is up at about four thousand and everyone wants to go to Guyana obviously they can't all that sounds like a brilliant song (laughs) everybody wants to go to Guyana any record producers (laughs) listening um, I am available so the first people they start sending are young people to help build and the elderly people who still get large social security checks from the US government that the People's Temple can claim on their behalf without being, you know, without informing the government that the people are no longer living in the US. Yeah. yeah. And it means that Jonestown now is getting already quite busy from the 400 very quickly. There's a thousand people and they've been showing again in these promo videos. Here's a nice little cottage. This is for two people. Here's another bunk room. This is for two people. Yeah. All of those are then crowded for like seven or eight people. Oh, of course. Because... They discover it takes a long time to build a house. Yeah. So they don't have any of the kind of infrastructure that they need, but people are slowly starting to pour in. And mm-hmm. and I'm sure there's no reason to be suspicious about this at all. When you arrive, your passport is confiscated. Oh, they're just trying to keep it safe for yeah, you so you don't true. lose just it. Just have yeah. one safe. That's um, safe. All this while, while Jim's preaching, he's just occasionally dropping in. They should all be prepared to die for the cause. They should be willing to go to the gallows. Little, <laughs> little surreptitious sentences about that sort of thing. They're still attracting the attention of news agencies and that sort of thing. They've got bank accounts open in Panama, Switzerland. A few people knew about individual ones. Maria Kustakis was, you know, knew about some of them. Mm. But it's believed that only Jim knew the extent of the People's Temple Finances. And obviously, a a few years ago, they signed over all knowledge to Jim. They all kind of accepted that he would be the one in control of that. So years are passing. We're now in 76. Yeah. Yeah. So they've been three years building this site for them all to go to. Grace Stone finally leaves. She just goes in the middle of the night. Jim tries to get her back. He sends Tim to try and get her back, but Tim knows that she doesn't want to be there. Tim doesn't want to be there, so he doesn't try very hard. He just goes, and you're all right. She's had to leave her baby in the group because she couldn't get to him. He was it's, in the community nursery. There are lots of sad stories in this, but this one just seems so tragic. Absolutely. So Tim and Grace agree that Tim will stay with the group to keep an eye on their son. Because although he's Jim's biological son, Tim has been part of yeah. raising him. So Tim stays with the group to keep an eye on Jim, John, and to make sure that Grace isn't being 
harassed or abused. She's allowed to just live her life. And lots of that. So Grace uh, leaves with a few other people at the same time, like Neva Sly, Joyce Shaw and Liz Foreman, because the beatings are getting so wildly out of control. I can't, let me find the name. Pete Wotherspoon is severely beaten during a planning commission meeting. So there's a real sense of violent despair inside that. Mm -hmm. In the planning commission meetings, they start bringing up the idea of mass suicide, how they can make a big impact. One of their ideas, which I think is fun, is that Maria, wait, Maria (laughs) learns to fly a plane and then crashes it. Like, why would you spend all that time learning to fly a plane? If you're just going to crash it. Yeah, just don't learn. Just don't learn. <laughs> just improvise. In, in, and I'm loath to come to their defence, Sam. <laughs> you do have to take off. Uh, you need to know at least how to do... I mean, maybe like do the first half of the course or something. Because you need to be able to <laughs> Just do the first off. day. <laughs> yeah. Um, they also think... I don't really remember where this went into my notes. But one of their ideas is to go to Libya. That's the end of that sentence. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, effectively, they're thinking about other supposedly more socialist yeah. regimes, which I guess... Is that early Gaddafi in the 70s? Uh, yeah, I think so. Probably. Yeah. And or they also Russia, or... want to learn to poison a city's water supply, which is interesting that you see in Wild World Country, Rajneesh. I think there are huge parallels there, aren't there? Yeah, absolutely. In terms of that setting up of a community and mm-hmm. something that in some ways is positive, but has all this in the way... Yeah. Yeah. It really feels like this is the template for pretty much every other... Mm-hmm. group that comes afterwards grace has gone tim's staying to take care of, of their son so jim decides that the child should be sent to jonestown because then tim can't leave grace has to stay involved with them because they they have their son so this little boy this baby three-year-old is he yeah Something three or like four-year-old that. is sent to jonestown obviously they're still raising the children communally there so that's kind of towards the end of 76 in 77 marceline's health starts fading she's still taking a lot of responsibility running temples that jim isn't partic- isn't at at the particular time february of 1977 grace starts trying to get custody of john through the courts jim sends tim to jonestown to be with john so now tim is even more entrenched in this thing he still wants to leave but he can't and mr muggs is sent to jonestown which is always just a nice little happy moment to remember there's a monkey and he gets to go to the jungle yeah they probably don't keep they enjoy the jungle no i expect he's still in a cage that's very sad and they also send a lot more of the children without their parents the children are sent ahead of the parents which obviously means the parents are going to have to go yeah, as well they've really got no choice well calculated isn't it that kind of stuff yeah they also how buy... do you do Sorry. you couldn't do that now though could you just stick a child on a plane presumably without its parents you can you can fly alone as a child on a plane can you yeah do you not have to have any kind of documentation of who you're yeah so you you have to be <laughs> this is could be a pause point you have to be dropped off by a grown-up okay and then you're you know you're made to wear a little vest or something that the flight attendants know that you're a lot you're an unattended a child, child. Okay. um and then they you know they accompany you to be met by a grown-up on your own okay they just let you like rock up through security by yourself. <laughs> That's more what I was imagining. But Put your lighter in the box. When you say it like that, it seems reasonably sensible. Yeah. So the People's Temple buy a house in Georgetown, in the capital of Guyana, that Jim decides should be used, should be inhabited by young women to entertain Guyanan male 
dignitaries, soldiers, you know, democratic officials, that sort of thing. And I don't know if you remember from our Synanon episode, our good friend Laura Johnston Cole uh, is one of these women that is made to wow. live in this house to entertain people in, in uh, Georgetown. As we've said, ever more journalistic interest in People's Temple. Yep. And New West magazine have been speaking to a large number of defectors. Mm-hmm. What's different to previous reports is that this time the defectors are going, you can give our name, quote us. Yeah. We're going on the record now. Yes. Um, we're properly going for it. And they decide they're going to publish uh, an article called Inside People's Temple based on the testimony of 10 ex-members. Yes. And again, that sort of is all framed with Jones started out okay. He was quite compassionate. He's become quite cruel now. But actually what we've learned is nothing is real when you're in the People's Temple. Mm -hmm. Actually, everything seems like it's orchestrated or you can't tell what's real or what isn't. Yeah. And I think that's... Reading that, this thing about orchestrated events or not being sure of reality, like in terms of our world political situation at the moment, yeah. feels like a massive upscaling and weaponizing of that. Well, if you don't know what's real, yeah. then you can't affect any change. No. And you don't know what's really, yeah, just seems like ominously uh, precedent. They talk about those forcibly signed uh, confessions. Some of those are the signing of blank papers. Sometimes it is, no, we're telling you what's on the confession. You have to sign it or we're going to shoot you. The fact that the healings are fake, the harassments, the catharsis, the extent of the political influence, this thing of sending people to work in different agencies so that People's Temple members have influence. Mm -hmm. And they're going to go ahead with this article, which causes a little bit of concern. Yeah. Possibly. So their offices are broken into in the night. Nothing is stolen, but the you know the journalists go back to their office the next morning and go, "Oops, someone's been and looked through this. Someone's copied something." Jim has found a copy of the article that will be released for its publication. Um, they're also at this point getting fifty calls a day yep. from people's temple members going, "Don't do this to our religion." Mm-hmm. They're getting seventy letters a day. Oh. Just that just makes my hand ache just thinking about that. Presumably more than one person was doing yeah. that job, but How they are getting. Wow. <laughs> They are getting barraged with harassment, yeah. but they are going to go ahead yes. because of the way that these things work. They have to give due notice mm-hmm. to the subject of the article. So on August the 1st, 1977, six hours before it goes to print, the editor of the magazine, Rosalind Wright, rings Jones yeah. and says, we're going to print this article about you. And, and, you know, I've had some awkward phone calls in my life, but this has to be one of the most awkward. She reads the article down the phone <sighs> to him. What she doesn't know is that there are also five members of the planning commission right. listening in the room with Jones. I'm just going to mime now to Sam mm-hmm. I, uh, what I imagine is his face. <laughs> <laughs> if you've seen Zootopia, it's the opposite of what the sloth does. <laughs> he does a smile. <laughs> Exactly that. That brilliant. Deborah Layton, who's in the room, says that Jones is looking around, really anxious. Also now 
although he had to have the people, you know, he wanted the other people listening to help them manage the event. He's mm-hmm. also like watching them, hearing all the other allegations that yeah. maybe he doesn't want them to know about. And he really goes, fuck, this article is going to be horrendous. It's going to be bad. And while he's listening to the article, he takes a piece of paper, writes a note on it, folds it up, passes it over. It goes to member, to member, to member, to member. And that piece of paper says, we leave tonight. And that's where we'll pick up for episode four of our Jonestown extravaganza. Thank you for being with us, listeners. We hope you have enjoyed the show as always. If you have enjoyed it, please do rate, review and subscribe. That would be really great. Do let other people know about it. You can tweet at us and Facebook us. That's a weird verb, isn't it? Don't want to be Facebooked. Book me in the face. No. You can find (laughs) us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. Uh, You can like us there. It's always uh, Coffee and Cults. If you'd like to get in touch with us, you can email us at coffeeandcults at gmail.com. If you'd like to sponsor us, we're on patreon.com backslash coffeeandcults. Or you could give us a one-off donation on coffee, that's K-O-F-I dot com. Coffee and Cults there as well, makes a lovely change. And that's just a one-off cup of coffee donation. We would greatly appreciate it. But no pressure. No pressure. No pressure. No pressure. (laughs) Um, That's all from us. We'll see you next time for the fourth. And final part of our Jonestown episodes. Thank you very much. Love you. Bye. We're going to talk to you. You are the initiate. You are the cause we've been. We found out that I was actually getting a two-inch by two-inch brand with a cover as in We no longer under the laws of Moses. The world is getting stuck with violence, and the violence shall take it by force. Coffee.